Ephesians chapter 2. It's called Vacation Bible School because the middle word is Bible. It's because it's the word of God. And in a changing, shifting world that you're, you're never sure what's up. You, it, you almost lick your finger and try to feel the breeze which way it's culture, morality, truth is coming and going. And people seem so confused. And the word of God is truth. And it's still truth. And what becomes central to our lives then we can begin to build on something that matters and that lasts. And we don't have to wonder what election or, or what new theme is coming up. We know what is God's truth. And our children need to know what is God's truth. Today is one of the most foundational, significant scripture passages about salvation in all the Bible. That's Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and then verse 10. Now, verse 10 isn't always included with the first two, but it really needs to be. And it actually was the theme verse this week. So it'll have meaning for you. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is the word of God. I got saved, you'll hear people say. Or you'll see it on social media. I got saved. Maybe a grandchild calls you up after Bible school or after a youth camp. I got saved, Grandma. I got saved. And people that aren't real familiar with church culture might ask the question, well, saved from what? What are we saved from? What do you mean we, we got saved? Positive news comes from earlier this week. I saw a note on the news that a neighbor had seen a garage on fire. She got up from her home when she was alerted to this. I guess she looked at the window. She rushed over to the house, but it was bedtime and nobody was stirring. No lights were on. She began to ring the doorbell. They had one of those uh, ring programs where you video whoever's ringing the doorbell and she was ringing it and ringing it but nobody answered there were 11 people in that home I guess uh, parents and maybe grandparents and some children she began to knock on the door beat on the door you can see the video clip of her frantic face she knew the garage had caught on fire and was blazing it would soon engulf the home and those in that home, they would perish. And she knew they would perish. So she wouldn't stop until somebody came and answered the door. And when they did, she helped them. She helped usher the children out, people out into the yard to get them out safe. Uh, 911 had been called. She saved that household. 
because she was determined that they would be rescued. We are all lost in our sins, in our selfishness, in living just for ourselves. Sometimes we don't do things that are very nice. Sometimes we uh, get caught up in selfishness and in, in prejudices, get caught up in ungodly behavior, things that would embarrass others. I tell men on occasion, you need to make sure, because you don't know if you can have a heart attack or be in a car wreck. You need to make sure that there's nothing on your phone, there's nothing on your computer, that in your passing would create great embarrassment and grief for your family. We need to get it right. So we're all lost in our sins, all lost in our sins, all totally lost. There's nobody that can please God. Nobody can be religious enough. But Jesus showed up. He came into the world. He was born in Bethlehem, born in human flesh, divine God interwoven with human flesh, that he might be among us, that he might live among us, that he might do good, that he might point to the Father and reveal the love of God, that he might show the futility of religion, but the necessity of a relationship with the Father. Jesus did this. So today's text, it reminds us, it is foundational. It tells us first that salvation is a gift. Salvation is a gift from God. That Jesus would allow himself to be placed on a cross, nails driven, blood drawn, beard plucked, back beaten, eventually life surrendered that he might substitute his life, the life of the Son of God, to pay for a debt for our sins that we could not possibly pay for ourselves. Our bank account couldn't handle that check. But Jesus died for us. Salvation is a gift. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God that he would give this to us what we desperately need we're reminded of Nicodemus the teacher of Israel a wise and and, an educated man he met with Jesus at night because he had to know is it true you're from God is it true the dead come to life that the lame can walk the blind can see who are you? And so he met with them and Jesus made it clear, you must be born again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only special son that whoever believes in it, well, they'll never perish, but they'll have everlasting life because God gave his son. It's not earned. It's not based on religious activity. It's not based on good effort. It's not based on how often you've been to church. No, no, no. It is a gift. Grace, that is God's 
unearned love. It comes from him, from heaven. We respond to grace, which is forgiveness, which is healing, which is welcoming and transforming us. Even back in the days of King David, who cried out, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a fresh spirit in me. And that carried over to the real King of Kings, Jesus, who gave generously. Grace comes from God. We respond by faith at God's invitation. We trust him. We believe in him. We go, I get nowhere else to go. Will you save me? Will you save me? I wonder if anybody here has ever come close to drowning. Yeah, you don't have to confess that. I swim a little bit. I'm okay. I shared with the children that I had taken some youth one time at an earlier church in my pastorate. I had taken some youth to a wave tech pool, which is a huge, huge pool that sends out waves like the ocean tide coming in and out. I'd never been to one before. All the kids were there and they were jumping up and down as the water came. Unfortunately for me, I mistimed it. I mistimed it because that, uh, those waves, they start coming and they hit you in the face. It costs you your breath. <gasps> and then by the time you're ready to breathe again, another wave comes. And I timed it poorly. Every time I tried to breathe, that's when the wave came. And I'll never forget a 13-year-old girl. Parents are still good friends of mine. She was standing right in front of me about 10 or 12 feet. And I looked at her and she was so scared. She was scared because I was scared. I was going, I was trying to call for help. Nobody can help me. And she was like, oh, but she didn't help me. But she was scared. Well, I was scared. And finally, it came with a pause. I felt like I was drowning. Have you ever felt like you were drowning? You were just wanting somebody to save you. You were desperate. We cry out to God. Salvation comes because we cry out to God. God, save me. Forgive me. Make me new. Make me like with Nicodemus. Make me born again. I need to be born again. It is a gift. This week, I am very careful with children. I want everything to be above board. We only talk with older children, the upper half of Bible school. Unless a younger child comes to us and has some serious questions, we focus on the older ones. Don't want to manipulate at all. Uh, don't want to try to get kids into the baptistry or into the church. No, no, no. We just want children to know God. So this week, I was pleased when we shared the gospel of Jesus Christ that nine children gave their lives to Christ. Nine children wanted Jesus. We make it kind of hard. You got to get up as we leave and go to a separate room. You got to go and wait for me. Uh, you know, we don't talk them down an aisle or anything like that. Never. No, nine children wanted Jesus, gave their lives to him. But I didn't sleep well that night, Thursday night. 
As I got ready to go to bed, I just felt like there was something missing. God wasn't done. And I've learned those prompts of the heart usually from God. So the next day I talked with our uh, administrator, talked with Sue, and I said, I think we need to extend this again. I said, I don't know, I just feel like somebody got missed. She said, okay. So we made arrangements, did a little bit different than we normally do. And I shared with the children, I said, maybe yesterday you wanted to give your life to Jesus. And maybe you hesitated. You just weren't sure. You said, maybe not today. And then you went home and you thought, wow, I should have given my life to Jesus. If that's you, I'm going to meet you in the library across the hallway and let's talk about Jesus a second time. Nine more children came. Nine more came. Now, what's really beautiful, one little boy, older boy actually, he waited until the room cleared out after we'd all made our commitments. And he waited for the room to clear out and he came up to me and he said, Pastor, I wanted to get saved yesterday, but I, uh, I don't know. I just, I just didn't. And last night I couldn't sleep. <laughs> I couldn't sleep either. And he said, because I knew God wanted me to be saved. So today when you said you got a second chance, I was ready. God was ready. Now some of the children may have not told you that they were saved. Some of them may have hesitated. We've been trying to follow up one at a time, those who were. But 18 children have entered into God's family. 18, is that not amazing? Do you realize that in the average Baptist church, half of the members were saved in Bible school? It's a wonderful sowing and reaping time, but salvation is a gift. Not only is it a gift, but salvation is found in Christ. It's not found in anything else. That's why the scripture makes it clear that it's not from yourselves. It's by God's grace and our response to that grace of faith. It's not anything we've done, we've generated, we've worked on. It's nothing we produce. It's not that somehow we can pick ourselves up by our spiritual bootstraps and dance on God to say, wow, you're better than most. I think you're saved. No, doesn't work that way. Not at all. In fact, it's the opposite. It's nothing we've done it's what he has done. We're God's handiwork. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, we're told that God demonstrates his love toward us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't do it because we were good. He didn't do it because we cleaned ourselves up. Didn't do it because, well, I'll start going to church and I'll learn some of the songs and then maybe God will save me. No, Scripture says that his love is demonstrated in that while we were still sinners, he died for us. The purpose of Jesus is not that we should clean up the dirty. 
Now it's that we should raise the dead to life. It's not to make us a little bit better citizens and people. It's to make us born again. To give us a new life, a new heart, a changed lifestyle. God at work. That's why the scripture says we are his workmanship. Hmm. Workmanship, art, statue, painting, furniture construction, architecture, whatever analogy you want to use, we, through Christ, are remade to be new and beautiful and special, a display of God's creative powers. This is what salvation is. It's something that's celebrated and enjoyed. It's why we worship that God has done so much, displayed so much in us. We want to worship. It's why we get together at church. It's not to, to clock in or clock out. It's to say, I can't wait. Look, let me tell you why I worship, okay? Mad it's not because I sing so beautifully. We all know that. It's not to impress anybody in clothing style or hairstyle. No, the, the reason I gather with the people of God is I know you all. And I know that life has not been easy sometimes. I know some of you have gone through a divorce. Some of you have experienced death with loved ones. Some of you have children that didn't pan out like they were raised. I know some of you have struggled financially in life and job-wise you've struggled. Not every marriage is what we would wish. Not every parenting situation is what we would wish. Your health has been up and it's been down. I know that. And you come here and you declare his praises. You're not perfect. And he didn't expect you to be perfect. So when I see your face, I see the face of an imperfect, born again, child of God. That's who I am. I want to sing with you. I want to look around and see your mouth moving, your hands go up, your eyes get big. I want to see you smile or have tears of joy. That's why we worship, because we are remade. We are new. We have a new life in him. That's the purpose of it all. Salvation is a gift. Salvation is found only in Christ. And salvation has a purpose. You know, God is always building his kingdom. We are living stones. As Jesus is the chief cornerstone, the apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2 tells us that we are all living stones laid one on top of the other, building God's holy house that is his kingdom. His purpose for us is that we should do good works. We're not saved to go home and turn on the remote and watch the British Open golf tournament. We're not saved to go home and piddle in the yard all our last days. No, he has a purpose for us. 
Our purpose is that there are things that need to be done. Things by the hands of God, by the feet of God. People whose lives need to be touched. Acts of righteousness and goodness and redemption. There are things that God has designed us for and planned for us to do. And he wants us to be saved so that we can be integral parts of the kingdom. That's why he saves us. Not just because he likes us. He chooses to need us. He wants to use you and me and you and you and you. He wants to. That's his purpose for us. He will coordinate that by his Holy Spirit and he will make wonderful things take place. If you will begin each day saying, Lord, what can I do? Where, where do you need me? He will show it every single time. And if you go through life and say, well, I don't know about all that. That's fine. You won't get any of the blessing. You find what you seek. If you seek me, you'll find me. Some of you are here today because your children came to seek God. It's what Bible school does. It helps children at the younger ages to seek God. Some of your children were saved in Bible school. And I'm so happy for that. I'm thrilled for that. And maybe for some of you, God's seeking you. Ultimately, he's seeking you. Years ago, probably almost 25 years ago, we had just gone to a new church. We'd always lived in a parsonage, you know, next door to the church and the church's house. And this was the first time we were moving to a church that said, uh, we want you to have your own house. You need to be building, buying a house so you can have a place whenever your retirement comes or when it's time to move, you can have some equity. I'd never built a house. My parents had never built a house. My father-in-law built a house, but I mean, he literally, he built the house. So we arranged with a builder who was a member of the church to build our house. We bought a lot, a good place to build. I told him, do you care if I come and watch? He said, you can come by every day if you want. And I kind of did. And I remember when they dug out for the foundation and poured the footers, the first step in a foundation. I drove out on the road, looked down a little grade into the construction area, and I thought, oh, he got it wrong. It's too small. Well, that's not big enough. There's no way that house is going to have four bedrooms and a basement. There's no way. He has made, this guy who has built house after house and business after business, he has messed up the pastor's house. But I didn't call him. I knew better. We waited. Then he poured the foundation. Began to pour the walls of the basement and the foundation. And it got bigger. And then they began to put the flooring in, first level, begin to frame it up, begin to frame it up. It's two stories with the roof. And I drove by and I stopped and I thought, oh, it's too big. 
I can't afford this much house. Holy cow, this house is too big. Too small, too big. Watching something grow is special. God is working in people's lives. This week, 18 children found Christ. And God is beginning in them. Do they understand everything? Well, I don't know. Do you understand everything? I don't understand everything. But I know the basics. If you're lost and we're all lost, you need a Savior. Save us from our sins. I know that Jesus died on the cross and that death done in love, that sacrifice pays for our sins in the eyes of the Father. He allows a transaction to take place. Jesus died for us. I know that if I confess to him my sins and declare Jesus as Lord, I believe the heart is born again. These things I understand. Do you understand those things? Are you ready for your house to get started, for God's kingdom to get bigger? Are you ready for the Lord to become a part of your life? And maybe, maybe it's through our children that God inspires us and stirs us and draws us. Maybe it's through our children. Yep. We're saved, all right. We're saved by the hand of God, and we're saved with a purpose. I hope you find your purpose. Would you pray with me? Father, we hear your word, and we believe. We believe in you. And we celebrate new life in Christ through our children and through others. And we also believe that you're not done. You're building your house, your kingdom. You've got people among us who have yet to come to Christ and need to be saved. Would you be at work in them? Would you stir their hearts? Would you allow the work of God to keep on and to keep on? Lord, we need your blessing. We need your blessing on our children, on their children to come, on our lives, on our church, on our churches. We need the blessing. And we turn to you. In Jesus' name, amen.